Welcome to the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy Podcast for another example of astronomy misconceptions, mistakes, half-truths, and conspiracies. My name is Stuart Robbins, and this is episode 24 for the fourth quarter of February 2012. The topic I'm going to talk today is what I playfully call, Help! The sun, or the moon, is moving. I got up tonight a little after 6 p.m. Central, and the sun... You know, it usually goes down at the exact same spot. You know, my my bedroom faces west. And so it always goes down right by my neighbor's house. Now, tonight, it was moved down. I can't really explain how, but it was it was a different part of the sky than it was, you know, than it is every other day. Hmm. And I got, a, I got a feeling now tomorrow night or tonight now, it's going to be back where it usually is. I've only seen this happen <laughs> once or twice. That's weird. I didn't know if anyone else had said it, and I, I you know, sent you guys a fast lap. It was just really strange, and uh, I don't know what to say, but just thought I'd bring right. that up to you quick. All right, that that is strange indeed. The problem with this kind of claim is that people are not nearly as observant as they think they are. I've heard people say, I've watched the sun set from the same spot in my house every day for the past 20 years, and it's only today that it's suddenly moved. But I have yet to see anyone actually back that up with evidence. Though, to be perfectly fair, if they could, then that would be the extraordinary event. Every day of the year, or at least for six months out of the year, the sun will rise or set in a different location on the horizon. Then it will work its way back for the next six months. Indeed, it's much more likely that people pay passing attention to where the sun rises or sets and happen to look several months after and see it's in a different spot. The cause of this is Earth's axial tilt of 23.5 degrees relative to the plane in which it orbits. It's only on the spring and the fall equinoxes that the sun, from everywhere on Earth, will rise due east and set due west. As you go into summer, it will rise and set closer to your closer pole, and as you go into winter, then it will rise and set closer to the other pole. So, for example, in the northern hemisphere, such as the great state of Canada, with its wonderful, kind, and caring populace, ruled over by a wise and benevolent dear prime leader, the sun will rise and set north of due east and west during the mild summer, and then it will rise and set south of due east and west during the frigid winters that are colder than an L-class planet or moon like Hoth. Now, to visualize what's going on, and I'll have diagrams in the show notes that will hopefully make this a bit easier, you need to go into a geocentric reference frame, meaning think of Earth as the center of the universe, and the sun goes around us, tracing a path among the fixed stars. If you were to photograph the sun at noon every day from your location for a full year, it would trace out what looks like a figure eight, known as an analemma. You may be able to use that in a crossword puzzle someday. Anyway, the maximum height of the sun in your local sky will be on the summer solstice, and the minimum will be on the winter solstice. If you measure the angle of the sun relative to the due south horizon on the summer solstice, and then you measure it relative to the horizon on the winter solstice, the difference in those angles is going to be 47 degrees, or 2 times 23.5. The halfway point will be where the sun is on either equinox, and it will be actually equal to 90 degrees minus your latitude. 
So here in Boulder, Colorado, I'm at 40 degrees north latitude. So on either equinox, the sun is going to be 50 degrees in the sky at its maximum height. Now, if you're still with me, get yourself a cookie, but hunker down because there's more geometry. If I've lost you, but you're still listening, the take-home message at this point is that the sun is going to be at a different height in the sky at any given time during the year. The maximum and minimum locations in the sky are directly related to your latitude and the Earth's tilt relative to the path around the sun. Now, the next step is to take the sun's path through the sky during a single day. Let's do this on an equinox. It really doesn't matter which one. On the equinox, Earth's spin axis is neither pointed towards nor away from the sun, but it's more along its orbit. As the Earth rotates during the day, the sun is going to rise due east, climb to 90 degrees minus your latitude, and set due west. It will make an arc through the sky. Think of this arc as half of a hula hoop. Kids these days do know what hula hoops are, right? Anyway, on the equinox, the ends of your hula hoop are, or half hula hoop, are going to be fixed at due east and due west on the horizon. As you move away from the spring or the fall equinox, where that arc is on any given day will move. It's kind of like rotating the hula hoop up or down. But it's not as simple as just pivoting it with the ends of the hula hoop fixed due east and west. You also have to move those ends north or south. Again, I'll have diagrams on the show notes for this episode on the website. Now, let's say, for example, you're in the southern hemisphere in New Zealand, surrounded by Kiwis at about 40 degrees south latitude. On the spring equinox in September, you see the sun rising due east, climbing up to the sky until it hits about 50 degrees altitude, and then it will sink in the sky and set due west. It made an arc through the sky, and that arc is tilted. As the months progress and you move towards the summer solstice in December, the sun's arced path through the sky is going to move, not just rotate in order to be farther south so that it rises south of east, climbs higher in the sky, and sets south of west. As you get towards the summer solstice in New Zealand, the sun is going to rise well over 20 degrees south of east, climb up to 73.5 degrees in the sky, and then set over 20 degrees south of west. Going into winter, it'll rise and set further north of due east and west, and it won't climb nearly as high in the sky. So, to get rid of all that math and geometry, the bottom line conceptually is that as the sun moves, it almost never rises or sets due east and west. And if you claim that it rises and sets at the same point every day for 20 years, but then suddenly it's rising or setting in a different location, you're wrong. It will only rise and set in the same location two times during the year, though the change from day to day will be fairly small, at least around either solstice. It gets faster around the equinoxes. The question I have for both of y'all has to do with the moon. Now, I just got Lynn Marzulli's documentaries, Watchers 1 and 2, and in the second part, he shows good evidence that apparently the moon has shifted. Now, I've been taking pictures of the moon for years, and I went and got some pictures I took last year about this time and compared them, and sure enough, you want to talk about signs in the heavens. 
the moon has apparently shifted position. And I wanted to know if y'all had looked into this and what in the world's going on. Perhaps predictably, people claim the same thing for the moon as they do for the sun. The motions of the moon closely follow those of the sun, except that the moon is tilted relative to our orbit by 5.2 degrees. This means that in addition to the 47 degree range due to the 23.5 degree tilt of Earth relative to the sun, the moon can move plus or minus 5.2 degrees on top of that for a total range in the sky of about 57.5 degrees throughout the year. In other words, it can move a lot. But it will always be within 5.2 degrees, quote-unquote, up or down in the sky relative to the sun's path through the sky. This means that when it's close to a new moon, it will pretty much only be about plus or minus 5 degrees up or down relative to the sun. If it were directly on the sun's path, then we would have a solar eclipse. As I'm sure almost all of you know, we don't get a solar eclipse every new moon. This also means that when it's a full moon, the moon will typically be about 47.5 to 57.5 degrees, quote-unquote, up or down, relative to where the sun was that day. Due to the actual orbital mechanics, it doesn't quite ever really see this whole range, but you get the idea. An effect of this is that full moons during the winter are always high in the sky, while full moons during the summer are always low in the sky. So the best time to photograph full moons is during the winter, when it's cold outside, or at least when it's cold outside in normal parts of the world. And because the phases of the moon don't actually exactly fit into a solar year, you won't get the moon's rising and setting positions on your horizon to repeat from year to year, and they'll be slightly different. They'll also be pretty different from night to night, because the moon's plus or minus 5.2 degree inclination, as it follows the sun's path through the sky, not the sun's actual position during that month through the sky, but the sun's path, will vary its position on rising or setting on the horizon significantly more from night to night than the actual sun's position from day to day. Hopefully, put a little more succinctly, that means that from night to night, the moon's rising and setting position on the horizon is going to shift significantly more than the sun's rising and setting position on the horizon from day to day. Now, I should also mention that the rule that I was talking about with the 57.5 degrees and 47 and blah, 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 all that stuff, it technically applies everywhere on the planet, but the math is a little more complicated as you get equator ward of the tropics of Capricorn and Cancer, because then you're talking about angles past 90 degrees, even though overhead is 90 degrees, and you get the general idea. I just don't want to go into the slightly more complicated geometry. When all is said and done, I've heard this claim several times when listening to Coast to Coast or when reading conspiracy or earth changes or whatever have you types of websites. Some websites, such as returnofplanetx.com, actually cite this as evidence of a pole shift that the government is hiding from you. The owner of that particular website claims that Earth's rotational axis is changing, and that's the only possible way that you can get the sun rising and setting in different positions during the year. 
He provides detailed methods for using Google Maps and asks that people across the world trace out where the sun is rising and setting in order to take this evidence to the broader population of the government's conspiratorial hiding of this stuff. When you get right down to it, though, they're just wrong. There's no other way of putting it. This claim, the sun or the moon not rising or setting, quote, where it's supposed to, is simply based on a lack of understanding of the geometry of the sun-earth-moon system. And, as I mentioned, if my verbal explanation of this has you lost a little bit, try listening to it with the diagrams that I'll be providing on the website in the show notes for this episode. Q&A will be on March 1st's episode along with the new puzzler and the solution to the current puzzler. Please remember that if you have ideas for a puzzler on magnetic fields and pole shifts, please send it in to puzzler at sjrdesign.net. By way of feedback, several people commented that they were surprised that Zachariah Sitchin has such a large following And at least both of my listeners sent me messages pointing out that even coast-to-coast regular Michael Heiser, who's a biblical and ancient text languages scholar, has clearly pointed out and illustrated that Sitchin is misleading you and mistranslated the Sumerian tablets. In fact, he has a full website about this called SitchinIsWrong.com. Heiser is actually one of those coast-to-coast guests that seems to be somewhat grounded in reality, as his website also has a section debunking the Bible code myth and ancient astronauts. While I'm at it, I should also mention that I just finished listening to an old Coast to Coast episode, Four Hours of Richard Hoagland, from 2005, and even Hoagland profoundly disagrees with Sitchin's work. Although Hoagland thinks that it's because Sitchin is a disinformation person from the Rockefellers to keep us distracted from what's really going on. That's a different episode. In terms of general feedback from the show, I went through trying to check some of the less populated countries and found a review from Ireland on iTunes. This was posted on October 29th, 2011. Pleasure to listen to, smiley face. Keep up the good work. I know that you check your reviews, so could you please give a shout-out to James from Ireland? Smiley face. And no, the smiley face wasn't actually written out in words, smiley face. It was a colon with a parenthesis, but it's hard to actually state that. And in responding to James, sorry, James, I don't do shout-outs. In terms of announcements, the only one that I can think of for this quarter is that I was recently interviewed for a dumbass media empire production of the Invisible Sky Monster podcast. In what another commenter noted as typical Canadian fashion, the discussion between myself, the dumbass, and Infinite Monkey, who later revealed himself to be known as Jeff, lasts over two hours. So listen to it at your own peril, but we definitely had a gay old time recording it.
That wraps up this topic for the 24th edition of the Exposing Pseudo-Astronomy podcast, a government disinformation production. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed it and learned a little at the same time. For more information about this podcast, please visit the website at podcast.sjrdesign.net. If you have any feedback, please use the feedback form on the website, or send an email to podcast at sjrdesign.net, or leave a comment on the page for this episode on the website. I read every email and appreciate the feedback, and am sometimes frequently late getting back to you. If you have suggestions for topics, please feel free to make them. If you like this podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes. Also tell your friends, family, frenemies, pets, the president, and anyone else who you happen to converse with on a semi-regular, regular, or less frequent basis. Thank you.